Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Amen. Take your Bibles with me and open them. Amen. Uh, here we go. <laughs> your digital Bible, whatever. Uh, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, it's our, our fifth sermon in the book of 1 Peter. And uh, the first few verses of 1 Peter is always just, just powerful. It's a familiar passage to, to a lot of us. I want to read down a few, a few verses. We're going to concentrate on verses 1, 2, and 3 uh, tonight. Peter says, so get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all, all unkind. Help me get up there. All, all unkind speech. Amen. My, my, for some reason, my digital Bible isn't working right. Like newborn babes, you must desire and crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Then verse 3, now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Has anybody had a taste of the Lord's kindness? Amen. <laughs> You've already tasted and you know it is good. Amen. God is merciful. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. The opportunity we have to share your word tonight. We pray that you open our hearts to receive. Give us ears that would hear. And Lord, help us to apply this truth to our, to our daily living, to our daily life. We honor you and praise you. And everybody said, amen. amen. So we're going to get right into the passage this evening. You'll see that Peter opens up with a call to change. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Now, the New Living Translation opens verse 1 with the word so. If you're reading out the King James or the New King James, it may be therefore. So that word tells us that it's a continuation of the subject that, that the writer was talking about in the previous verses. So if you back up to chapter 1, you'll see the context in verse 22. It says, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all of your heart. Verse 23, for you have been born again. Why are we to be different? Why are we to act different? Why are we to love? Because you've been born again. There's, there's a change that's been taking place in your life. You've been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. Bruce Barton in his commentary writes this, Believers need to get rid of any attitude 
or any hindrance that could threaten this love for brothers and sisters in Christ. So Peter is calling the believers to have a change of attitude, to have a change of mindset that will lead to a change of behavior. And the call to change and the difference is to is reinforced by the knowledge that you've been born again. Why are we to have a different life? Why are we to be different? Why are we to act different? Why are we to think different? Why are we to talk different? Because you've been born again. You've been born again by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You've been cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. The reason we live this new life is because we're done with the old life. Our sins have been washed away. So the call to change is reinforced by the knowledge of your new life and that it comes from the eternal living word of God. So, wherefore, we are called to get rid of all evil behavior. Now, that's a real broad statement. So, let's get, let's get down and specific a little bit. That, that phrase, get rid of, is the same as laying aside. It's a call to break with the old life. To make a break by laying aside or taking off of something, much like a garment or robe is taken off. You know, when you're, when you're in the, the Holy Land and uh, one of the sites you go visit often is the, the Jordan River. And they do daily baptisms at the Jordan River. And one of the things that they do is they'll give you this white garment to put on and so you're to be baptized in. And one of the, the, the study tools I was reading today talked about that get rid of was the idea of taking off the old garment and putting on the new garment of, of baptism, that, that new garment of white. White in spiritual and in, in, in scripture symbolizes righteousness. So we're to take off the old, the unrighteous, and we're to put on the righteous behavior, the right living that God's called us to. So it's to affect the way you live, the way you talk, the way you treat one another, and the way that we live out our life. So let's look at some other scriptures where this concept of laying aside or, or putting off is also reinforced. Go to the book of Hebrews. Let's see what the writer of Hebrews. Maybe you're already thinking of this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. You remember this verse? It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight. That, that, that same word can be translated, let us lay aside. Lay aside every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Now, what is that sin that so easily trips us up? I believe it is different for each individual. Lay that sin aside. Take it off. Lay it aside. Why? Because we're going to run this race 
with endurance. We're gonna win the race that God has set before us. The Apostle Paul uses the same language in several of his letters. Turn with me to Ephesians 4. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 22 and also verse 24. The New Living Translation says, throw off your old sinful nature. So there it is, lay it aside, throw it off, and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. So lay it aside, throw it off, take it off like a garment. Now look at verse 24, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So there's the concept, you, you, you take something off like a piece of clothing and you put on. Now this is metaphorically speaking of course, we realize that, that we are in Christ Jesus, we are a new creation, but there's a spiritual exercise we need to do every day, a mental exercise. You need to take off the old, clothe yourself in the new. Amen. We talked about on Sunday being full of the Holy Spirit in every area of our life. Not just full of the Holy Spirit on Sunday, but every day of our life in every situation of our life. And I think a part of this is, is daily putting off and clothing yourself. You know, you have the mind of Christ. The scripture says you've got the mind. So clothe yourself with the mind of Christ. Go to Colossians, let's look at another place. Two more places, Colossians chapter three, look at verse eight. But now is the time to get rid of there it is, get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other for you've stripped off your old sinful nature and its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So you've stripped off the old and you've put on the new and you learn to know your creator and become more like him. Now, one more. Go to Romans 13, verse 12. Romans 13, verse 12 and verse 14. Paul says, the night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of what? Right living. Right living. Righteousness. Verse 14, instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus. Now what a great imagery there. Clothe yourself in the presence of the Lord Jesus. Don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. So the antidote to that of allowing yourself to indulge evil desires, you gotta, you gotta clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as you can see, there are, there are many passages that reinforce this concept and even share the same language as Peter uses in his letter of chapter 2, verse 1. It was a common charge in the early church, and it should be a common charge in the 21st century church, and that is take off the old and put on the new. Get rid of that behavior that's unhealthy and began to live out a healthy life. Can you say 
Amen. So Peter is calling the believers to throw off like a garment all evil behavior. Now, the King James uses the word malice. Now, now why did the New Living Translation use a different word than the word malice? So think about the word malice. Today, in our modern culture, the word malice is a little restrictive in the 21st century. The connotation of malice today is hatred, and it deals with an attitude more so than with uh, behavior. So a better translation in the, from the Greek word is all evil behavior, for the word malice is too restrictive, though it is classified as evil behavior or behavior tied to the world, to the old life. One theologian writes this, it might denote a single iniquity, meaning evil behavior, or it might be used more generally for the evil that men do among one another. As the force which destroys fellowship, kokia is the reality of this cosmos. Evil behavior is the reality of this world. Woost says this, It is a call for believers to separate themselves from sinful behavior. You've been called to separate yourself. I've been called to separate myself. Each of us are called to separate ourselves. Now, then Peter begins to list some very specific things, which again is common in the New Testament. They would... uh, create lists, and they would say, get rid of, and they would begin to name things that were not becoming of Christians, that were not becoming of uh, the new life. So he says, be done with all deceit. Now, deceit is cunning. It is craftiness, catching as in a trap. Let me tell you an illustration of this word. You kind of catch it from an Old Testament story. That kind of gives the equivalent of it, the story of Jacob and Esau. You remember that story? Genesis 27, verse 34. Genesis 27, verse 34 says, when Esau heard his father's words, he let out a bitter cry. Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too, he replied. And he begged. But Isaac said, your brother was here and he tricked me deceived me, trapped me. He deceived me, he tricked me, he's taken away your blessing. Esau exclaimed, no wonder his name is Jacob, for now he has cheated me twice. First he took my rights as the firstborn, and now he has stolen my blessing. Oh, haven't you saved even one blessing for me? See, Peter says you got to put away that tight behavior, that deceitful behavior. It means to defraud another. Get rid of all behavior that has a hint of fraud or deceit. The psalmist said this in Psalm 32, verse 2. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. How many are thankful the Lord has cleared your record of guilt? Now, now listen to what he said, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. What joy for those whose lives are lived with complete honesty. Get rid of deceit, 
get rid of things that's out to deceive or defraud someone else. Peter said this, get rid of deceit and get rid of hypocrisy. Now that word hypocrisy in the original means play acting. It means pretense. It means an outward show. Pretense is duplicity or insincerity. Jesus said this, Mark records in his gospel, chapter 7, verse 6, Jesus replied, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Saying one thing, but being another. Now, why? Why are we getting rid of all hypocrisy? Because We're not good at play acting. We got to get rid of the mask. We got to get rid of of the acting, the parts. And we got to be the part. We have to put away the outward show and allow this truth to pervade our lives. God is looking for transparency in our life. Transparency with him, transparency with the Holy Spirit, transparency with the Lord. And the only way is that we take the mask off. The only way is is if we say, Lord, I renounce all evil behavior in my life, deceit. Lord, I want truth to be at my inward parts. I want truth in me. Now notice he says to get rid of jealousy. The Greek word means spite and resentment toward the success or possessions of another. What could be included in this is living a life of comparison. Get rid of comparing your life with other people. You know, we're so often guilty of comparing our life with someone else. We say things like, look what they have compared to what I have. Or we say, why do they always get blessed and not me? And then there is this resentment which starts to set in. A jealous spirit which envies the successes of others. One commentary writes, this causes discontent and resentment as believers make unhealthy comparisons to one another. And church, we got to learn to celebrate the successes of others and not be jealous of the successes of others. We need to learn to rejoice at and, and, and be happy when others are blessed. Speaking uh, about the antidote to envy, Gil Beers writes this, if I think about your success, if I plan for your success, if I pray for your success, if I genuinely hope for your success and work for your success, then I will rejoice in your success. Man, I read that and I thought, wow, that's good. Let me say that again. If I think about your success, if I plan for your success, if I pray for your success, if I genuinely hope for your success and work for your success, then I will rejoice in your success. Investing in one another, 
Now understand the context here. This is a, a people who are scattered, a people who are living as foreigners, not in the homeland of Israel or Jerusalem. They are a persecuted believers. Many of them are new to the faith and they are, they are standing up underneath persecution. And Peter says, listen, you gotta get rid of all deceit. You gotta get rid of all hypocrisy and you gotta get rid of all jealousy. Now understand what that would mean for here. They're undergoing persecution but what if their brother in Jerusalem was experiencing success? Peter says, listen, you gotta learn to be happy. Don't begrudge their blessing. Don't begrudge us because you're experiencing a hard time. And sometimes what we find in ourselves is when we're going through a rough spot, we sometimes begin to resent when others are having things go well. Hmm. That's a part of the brokenness in us. Realize you're born again. We can't act that way. We shouldn't act that way. Let's learn to celebrate other people's successes. And let's cheer them on. Put away jealousy. Brotherly love is fostered and enriched when we can truly be happy at the successes of other people. Think about this, community is built and sustained when we celebrate with each other instead of compete with each other. This takes selflessness, but then again, this new life is about taking self off the throne and putting Christ on the throne. That's what being born again is about, is taking self off the throne and putting Christ on the throne. Jealousy always eats away at contentment. The Apostle Paul told Timothy in, in 1 Timothy 6, verse 6, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Did you hear that? True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Now notice what else Peter said you gotta get rid of. So you gotta get rid of deceit. You gotta get rid of uh, any kind of any kind of fraud, you got to get rid of any kind of jealousy. You got to get rid of uh, jealousy and all these things. And then you got to get rid of unkind speech. Evil speakings or unkind speech means slander. It means abusive words falsely spoken that damage a person or a person's reputation. The word in the original means this. It means to speak down at a person. Referring to the act of defaming, slandering, or speaking against another. We should not do this among brothers and sisters. We should not do this among the people of the world. And we should not do this among the people of our own household. Peter says it's not becoming of a follower of Christ to speak evil, to speak down, to belittle, to berate, to devalue someone. Your words matter. Words are powerful and words have consequences. We must be careful with the words we speak. We must allow our words to be edifying and encouraging one to the other. As born again believers, we have to control, we have control of our words, our tongues, and the things that we say. 
This thought that says, I can't just help it. I'm just straightforward. Or I just say what's on my mind. <laughs> we use it as an excuse to be hurtful and to attack. It's not spiritual and it's not a God. Just because you've always been that way is not an excuse to stay that way. <laughs> oh, y'all want me to go in a little bit, don't you? <laughs> y'all want me to go in and talk a little bit. You want me to meddle a little bit, don't you? <laughs> Understand, you've been called to be different not the way you've always been. <laughs> God's called you to a life that is, that is not parallel with the old life, but diabolically opposite of the old life. Just because you've always been straightforward, just because you've always been plain spoken, just because you've always spoke your mind does not mean it gives you the right to continue to be that way. You can control the words you say. We, as mature believers, must learn to control the words we say. And then when we say hurtful words, we must be quick to apologize, to make it right, and to give forgiveness and be forgiven. Can you say amen? amen. Now, he's called us to put off some things. And then he's called you to grow. He says, listen, now these are persecuted. These are people that are undergoing the fiery trials. And Peter says, listen, listen, you got to grow. Look at verse 2. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. So he gives an analogy of a newborn baby. You know, a newborn baby is consumed with eating. Their world is surrounded by the mother's milk. And today there's formula. Because of their constant eating, they're growing rapidly and changing every day. This last year and this season that Christians are in with with. with New grandbabies. And it's like, it's like you may not see them for a day or two, then you see them, and it's like they're changing so quickly. Why? Because they're getting that nourishment. They're growing every day. So should it be with us. Peter says, crave pure spiritual milk. So get, get this. We are to get rid of we're to take away certain behaviors from our lives and we're to replace it with an infant-style craving. Take away something and replace it with a craving for spiritual milk. Look at that word crave. It means to long for something. It means the implication of recognizing a lack. It means to long for, to deeply desire, and to desire Deeply. To recognize a lack and to go after the fulfillment thereof. 
Pure spiritual milk. The, the New King James adds clarity. It says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Pure spiritual milk. It is guileless milk without, without deceit. It's pure spiritual milk, thus unadulterated. It has nothing added to it. See, the word of God has no alternative motives, like so many of human teachings and other books, but, but God's word has its only purpose, that of nourishing the soul. Wow. The words of the word are from the article and adjective in the Greek text, speaking of the quality of this milk, literally spiritual. And the word milk here does not refer to that part of the word of God, which is in contrast to the meat or solid food of the word, as in like Hebrews 5, 13, 14, but the word of God in general. So he's not talking about, about baby's food. He's talking about the analogy of how a babe cries out and is seeking food, seeking milk. So we're to have that same craving for all the word of God. We're to have that craving to pursue after, to desire with earnesty, and to cry out until we are satisfied with the milk of the word. We're receiving it. So it's not, it's not talking about milk and contrasting the meats as the stronger things. No, here it's talking about milk, meaning the word of God in general. And as you, as a babe, cries out for nourishment, and when that baby is hungry, you know it. Why? Because that baby's crying. And that baby won't stop crying until it's satisfied. So our spiritual life says have such a craving that we're crying out in the spiritual realm until we're in the word and we're receiving the word. And that word is satisfying us. Now, why are we to crave the word like this? Why is it so important for the child of God to have such a desire or craving for the word of God? Notice, so that you can grow. Just as a newborn babe grows from the nourishment of its mother's milk, so it is with the believer. We grow from the nourishment which the word of God provides. Psalm 119, verse 15 and 17, 16. Psalm 119, it says, I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. Look what the psalmist says. He says, I will study, I will reflect, I will delight, and I will not forget your word. Study, reflect, delight, and do not forget. Study, reflect, delight, and forget not. The word is your spiritual nourishment. So if we're going to put off that old behavior and we're going to keep that old behavior off, then we got, as a newborn babe, we got to crave, we got to desire, we got to want the word of God. We got to say, okay, I'm going to study your word. I'm going to reflect on your word. I'm going to delight myself in your word. And I'm making commitment not to forget your word. 
And as we do that, that's the recipe for growth. That is the recipe that's gonna cause us to grow and mature in our faith. Now notice what Peter says. He says, so you may grow into the full experience of salvation. The New King James does not adequately translate the thought in the Greek. Let me explain. There is a phrase in the Greek text not brought out in the translation res, uh, resulting in your making progress in your salvation. As newborn babes, it's out of the same similar word that you may grow thereby. And the King James just stops there to grow thereby. But the actual Greek really is saying this, resulting in making progress in your salvation. You are to make progress in your salvation. You're to continue to grow in your walk with God. So as the word of God is being digested and ingested and digested in your life, as the word of God is being received, the result of the word of God coming in you is there's growth taking place. And you're coming into the fullness of the salvation that God has for you. And I'm telling you, church, God has more for you than you've ever experienced thus far. And the more we get into the word of God, the more we study the word of God, the more you read the word of God, the more you reflect upon the word of God, the more you, you give yourself to the things of God, you're going to discover even greater depths than you've ever discovered before. And finally, he says, cry out for this nourishment. So our prayer should be, Lord, help us to learn to cry out for this nourishment. For you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. You have had a taste. Why are you to cry out? Because you've already tasted. <laughs> you've already declared, you know what? God, God is good. God's kind. God's merciful. I've experienced. And, 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 and if this is what is in store for me, I want even more. And that's the implication. The implication that Peter is telling these believers is, listen, you can't go back to the old life because you've already tasted what the good life is all about. So as a newborn babe, what you got to do is you got to, just like that baby cries out for his mother's milk, you got to cry out for the nourishment of God's word. And as you cry out for the nourishment of God's word, guess what? You're going to be renewed. You're going to grow. You're going to be strengthened. And you're going to find yourself standing because you've already tasted that the Lord is good. You've already experienced his kindness. You've already experienced his goodness. And church, we've seen too much to go back now. We've experienced too much not to keep going. We've come this far, and we're going to keep moving in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? amen. Can we stand together tonight?